protect. Yes, I have a bag. Think of it as Mary Poppins' bag. You just don't know what might come out of it. You know, life is just a big adventure, isn't it? You really don't know in the smallest of moments how significant they can be. This weekend is real important to us because it's both our daughter's birthday and it's our anniversary. And so I'm going to share with you how Tim and I met because it's a really interesting story. I've never met a single person who has met their spouse the way that we met one another. So we were in high school, and our high school, the yearbooks were delayed in coming that spring. So the school had a summer yearbook signing party. I drove my cute little Mustang fully restored, because that's what my father does, my real dad. He gives antique cars to (laughs) 16-year-olds. And I'm driving this fully restored 65 Mustang into the parking lot, and I get out, and I go get my yearbook, and I look across the room, and I see this curly-haired guy, and I went, he looks like a man, not a boy. He had this beard and hair, and I'm like, I think I like that. Well, I had a yearbook in my hand, so that gave me permission to walk up to just about anyone, because you know how you get people to sign it that you don't even know their names? You read it 20 years later, and you go, who was that? So I walked up to him and approached him, and my side of the story is really different than Tim's side of the story, so I can't wait till we get to heaven, because we get to see the blurbs. I think his, we rewrite history all the time, but in my divine imagination, this is the way I remember the story. I said, oh, you have your class ring. Can I see it? He didn't hand me his hand. He took the ring off his finger and handed it to me. And I went, that's really cool. Put it in my pocket and said, if you want it, you'll have to come to my house and get it. Parents, when you ask your children what they were thinking, they weren't. They weren't. I have no idea what I was thinking. Cute guy, lots of hair, come to my house. What would have happened if he hadn't taken the ring off? What would have happened? Who knows? You know, our life is full of opportunities and adventures if we just open up ourselves to enjoy that journey. Little did we know what our lives would look like back then. We were really children in so, so, so many ways. We didn't know how, we just wanted to not mess up. How many of you, when you got married, you just didn't want to do it the way you had seen other people do it? Yeah, we just didn't want to mess up. And so we start this great adventure, and our first year of marriage was not great and wonderful at all. Tim was out of a job. I was working two jobs. This whole idea of two becoming one, it wasn't as easy as everybody told us it was going to be. Because for two to become one, you've basically got to make space for that other person. And so we learned in that first year that two bank accounts becoming one, 
was a challenge for us. We found a lot of things that were really challenging, but we also found a lot of things that were really exciting and brought us great, great joy. So the first thing I'm going to pull out of my bag is my notes. I rewrote them this morning. I had this incredibly typed up outline with lots of pages. Wendy, you'd have been so proud of me. I really wanted to do this. And then Holy Spirit said, you're the curly-haired girl that tells stories. So tell stories because that's how people remember me. When we were in the green room, we heard a story, a testimony of his goodness, of someone who was healed this past week. That's a story that gives credibility to the gospel. And so we're all excited. Yay! Yay! I lead the prayer ministry. What happens most often is it's not just the people who come to receive prayer that get blessed. I'm looking straight at someone who two weeks ago told me, why doesn't everyone come? And I went, well, everyone doesn't think they need prayer. And he said, no, no, no. I mean, why doesn't everyone come to serve? This is the most fun I have ever had. Just like Adam said, fun run. This walk, this adventure is intended to be fun. We're the ones who make it hard. We're the ones that take it and twist it and turn it and press it. And we make it such a heavy burden that when people look at us, they go, I don't want to be like that. Look how heavy, look how heavy she is. We have a joke around here that if we can do this, anyone can. (laughs) Let me just tell you two things that have happened to me in the last week. I was in, I had gone to lunch a couple of weeks ago with Chad and some of the staff, and as we were leaving, he said, you have more dumb blonde stories than anyone I know. (laughs) And I said, yep, you are right. Some people go looking for adventure, they go on vacations, they climb mountains. Some people go to the beach, they sit, they wait for the crab to crawl by, and they go, oh, that was nice. I'm one of those people that people that adventure finds me. So that day, I have a reminder on my phone at two o'clock every day to go to the prayer chapel and pray. So that day, I go to the prayer chapel and I'm praying and I'm in the presence of the Lord. You guys remember that in the Old Testament, if someone went into the presence of the Lord, they kept a hook there so they could pull them back out. If the hook wasn't to pull them into the presence of God. The hook was to pull them out of the presence of God. Because when you're with Him, what else is there? It's like the whole world just starts to get numb. I'm explaining something that some of you are going, I've never had that experience. Just wait. We're not finished yet. This adventure today, it's not finished yet. So I'm in the prayer chapel and I go, oh, I need to get up. I have to go back to work now. The door won't open. 
So I'm thinking, because I think everything is a sign and a wonder from the Lord, and I go, well, maybe he just thinks I shouldn't be going back to work. I should just stay here in the presence of the Lord. It's okay with me. All those emails, they'll just have to wait till tomorrow. I'm going to continue to honor you. I didn't hear anything from him. Click, click, turn the lock, click, turn the lock, click. Bottom line, I had to call someone to come save me from the prayer chapel. (laughs) I texted Chad, your words were prophetic. I just got locked inside the prayer chapel. Not locked out, locked in. You can laugh about these things, or you can let them go, oh, everything in my life is so miserable. But when you have built friendship with the Lord, when you truly trust that what goes before you is His goodness, then everything that happens doesn't feel so heavy. The interruptions that He gives you in your day turn out to be pleasant surprises, not, oh, I'm not going to get accomplished everything that's on my list today. But here's the one thing I do know. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to spend time with you because we spend time with people we like. I didn't say love. I said we spend time with the people we like. We spend time with people who are like us. And this thing about building friendship with God, we talk about it all the time here because it's first. It's your first fruit to Him is to get to know Him. How can you minister in his name if you don't know his character? If you don't know that he calls himself love? That his greatest commandment is love me and love them. He didn't say love yourself. Love me, love the people who are in front of you. Can you imagine what it's like for him to look at all of your faces? For him to say, do you see this one? Look at that one. Look at her. Look at him. And when you start to look with his eyes, you, and you carry his love, and you have built that friendship with him, then when you look at someone, you no longer look at them with the eyes of judgment. You look at them with the eyes of Christ. Holy Spirit in you is peering out through your eyeballs and you start to see, I'm not perfect, nor are they. I actually wear a necklace. It is a raw, uncut diamond that's filled with flaws. The jeweler told me we did not think anyone would buy that necklace, and I did. Because every day I want to remember that what I am today is not what I'll be tomorrow as long as I'm a friend of his. Just like that boy grew into a man that I watched stand at the foot of his daughter's bed when she was, we were told that she would not live two more hours and he looks me in the eye and he says, I would trade places with her. No greater love does anyone have than they would lay down their life for one another. No greater love. 
So when we talk about friendship with God, we have to talk about his love. There's nothing else. And then we start to say, but I also want his power. I look at them with love and I want to fix them. I don't want them to have cancer. I don't want them to not be able to hear. I don't want children to die. I don't want this. I want power. And that yearning inside of us can only be filled by Holy Spirit. Because you've got the love. Now, it's not about you continuing to go, well, I need to know my identity in Christ. You know who you are. You know you've been bought with a price. You know that his blood redeemed you. You know that when you went down into the waters of baptism, you came up a new creature. Do you walk on water? Yes, every day you walk on the water of baptism completely new. What's left? Change the world. In Joel 2, I mean, excuse me, it is in Joel 2, but it's actually the Acts passage I want to read. Do you ever just picture what it must have been like to have been told by Jesus that you've just spent 40 days with, and he says to all his disciples, I want you to go, and I want you to be in this room, the same room where we had the Last Supper. I want you to just hang out there until the one more powerful than me that I've promised you comes. He didn't give them a time. He didn't give them an expectation. He said, go to the room and wait. Now imagine a group of young men waiting. Hey, you wanna go outside and throw some rocks at a wall? Yeah, he told us to wait. What about all the stories? They start telling stories. Can you just imagine the stories that were being told in that room as they waited? Can you imagine them saying, hey, Thomas, you remember when you had to look at his nail-scarred hands? (laughs) Thomas, you're not the same anymore. You walk on the baptismal waters. You've been made new. Your doubts, your fears, everything has been bought for a price. You've been made new. Some of us try to make ourselves new every day. It's like I'm trying to be pure. I'm trying to be holy. I'm trying to have disciplines. I fast so much that I just barely can can do it anymore. It just doesn't mean anything. I read my Bible. I know, I know that there's something more. Well, I want you to turn I want to actually read a passage on the screen, and this is Philippians 1, 9 through 10, and I'm going to read the Passion Translation, and I'm going to tell you every day I pray that that book gets finished, just like I pray that the lost scroll shows up one day. I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure. Now, I'm a school teacher. What are they praying for here? For... Love to grow. All right, good job. Beyond measure. That means there's no end point to it. It's going to keep growing. 
bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. So when I grow in love, it means I get richer revelation. Is that what the word says? Yes. Yes. So if I want richer revelation, then I have to grow in love and compassion. And And then it says, this will enable you to choose the most excellent way in all being pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. This means when Christ comes again to take his bride. So what is spiritual insight here? Some of us call that discernment, but actually in the Greek, that word means that you have the ability to have experiences that match your beliefs. So, kind of reminds you of James, kind of reminds you of, it's not about me, it's by the Spirit. It's not just about talk, it's about action. It's about moving from, oh, poor me. They didn't talk to me. Scripture calls it offense. It uses a real word. We call it pity, self-pity. We call it humility when it's not humility. Humility is submission to one that is greater than you, a position in authority that has been put and established there. That's what humility is. It is not self-deprecating. It is not self-deprecating. We have the ability by simply opening our hands to receive the power that Jesus said, this one is more powerful than I. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a counselor. Will you open your eyes? Will you open your eyes beyond your own belly grumbling? Will you not look at your feet? Have you ever tried to dance if you're looking at your feet? You can't do it. Where does my help come from? Lift your eyes. See what he sees. Is it easy? No. Because it means I have to love And love comes with a lot of risk. Because people hurt you, they abandon you, they forsake you, they slander you, they gossip about you, they punch you in the face when you've done your best, they tell you how disappointed they are in you. Do you know what that word disappointed means? You did not meet my expectations. Who does that remind you of? Who was slandered? Who was beaten? That's what happened with Jesus. We have to stand in that place of guarding our heart and saying, I'm going to love you while God continues to work this out in you. And how many of you know that as you grow deeper in him, he is going to prune you? The Bible says that. Tim and I went through a season of pruning that has lasted for two years. 
two years? When you heard, when you heard the prophecy that was spoken over me by Jean Nicole, here's another dumb blonde moment. I'd been outside ministering to someone. I walk in and he goes, Teresa, Teresa, where are you, Teresa? And I'm, I'm looking around for Teresa. Because I've been outside. And he goes, no, you. And he starts to prophesy that this is a new season. Because this two years of pruning has taken place and it has hit us on every single level. It has hit us financially. It has hit us in our family. It has hit us in relationships. It has hit us in our intimacy with the Lord, our intimacy with one another. It hit us on every front. But here's the funny part about a God who loves you. He prophesied it over us before it happened. How? Well, we were at a workshop and Tim was here. He had taken some time off to be at the workshop, to be at the conference. And Chad walks up to him and says, when are you going to retire? And Tim said, I'm a long ways from retirement. Two weeks later, they had one of those all calls from the company saying, we're about to move all of you to Ohio. If you don't go, you don't have a job. We prayed, we listened to God, we sought the counsel of friends. There's a reason we have a fellowship because we see in part, we hear in part, we know in part. We have to be able to go to a place where we can ask for others to come in. How do you have friends? Well, first you've had to be vulnerable with them because if you're not vulnerable, they're just acquaintances. And usually friends, you've gone through some tension with. Usually. And then after that tension, you have built a level of trust where you know that the words that are coming through their mouths are coming through, uh, through eyes of love, through Holy Spirit. So that was the first prophecy. The second prophecy came from someone who lives in San Francisco who had been staying in our house and staying at Chad's house. And he goes, he goes and submits the word to Chad and he goes, Tim and Teresa are going to go through a season of to-the-nub pruning. Have you seen those shrubs that people t- go out in front of their house and they cut them down so that it's just old wood and there's nothing left there? And what happens? The roots have to grow. The roots are forced to grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So Tim and I prayed about it and we together and with the council of family, we made the decision that leaving his company was our freedom. Little did we know what was in store during those, year, those next 18 months. Over and over again, God would send the prophets. Tim goes to Haiti, and in Haiti, it is prophesied over him that he will be the CFO of Bridgeway. But we can't tell people those prophecies. We can't say to you, oh, well, one day Tim is going to be the CFO of Bridgeway. Because we don't know how long the wait time is. 
Those disciples waiting, the 120 who waited in that room did not know how long they were going to have to wait, but they knew the character of their friend. So over and over again, I kept hearing, God is in the waiting, 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 but it was not easy. You know, when the Israelites walked around for 40 years in the wilderness, Joshua had already seen the fruit. He had already seen with his eyes what possibilities were there. And he had to walk with these people who were grumbling against God because they didn't have the foresight to see what was coming. They didn't have the tenacity to say, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to wait this one out because I don't want to miss God. I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want something to go by. I don't want my adventure to be that I'm just walking and grumbling and complaining. So when the prophecy came to me, Chad looks at me and he goes, you're about to be cut to the nubs. Why? Because my roots will grow? Absolutely, you can't go higher until you go deeper. And what has God said for this house? We are going to ascend the mountain. And the only way to ascend is to let him come in and take you through your seasons of pruning. Graham Cook, who I absolutely love, I often say I sleep with Graham Cook. It's partially true. I have the YouTube audio on as I go to sleep, and I love to hear his words because his, his words build, they encourage, they allow my mind to stay in that place with him. They allow me to stay there So what happens in those seasons of pruning? Let's look at Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Micah used this passage a few weeks ago, and I just want to go through it again. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Raise your hand if you want that rest. Come to me if you're tired. Come to me if you don't even know what your next steps are. Because in me, you're going to find rest. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. What is your soul? It is your emotions. It has to do with your heart. It has to do with that very place where he lives. So sometimes when you prophesy, you have to prophesy over yourself, not just over others. We often say in the prayer rooms, you cannot give what you have yet to receive. Woo! We also say in the prayer rooms, when we pray, we don't tell God the problem, we tell the problem what God says. How Do I have that power? I have that power when I have learned how to wait for Holy Spirit to speak. 
And if he isn't speaking, I started to say ain't. My southern roots were coming out. If he isn't speaking, we don't go. Moses said, if that cloud doesn't go before me, then I'm just going to wait it out here. Because if you don't go, I don't go. In our early days, when we first moved to South Carolina, I had had such powerful, great friends in North Carolina. And when I came here, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I will find my Jonathan. I will find my new friends. And it took a really, really long time. Because what I learned during that season is that I did not have intimacy with God. I was a parasite because my friends had intimacy with Him. And when they were taken away, I felt really, really lonely. Not just lonely for for the friends, but lonely for the Spirit of God. Because it showed in their eyes every time they spoke to me. And I had to spend my own time cultivating the Word in me, reading books, reading books about the sacred romance, reading books about knowing God, because what I saw in them was something I was hungry for. The first time I met Chad, it was for him to pray over our daughter who was waiting for her complete healing. I actually don't know when I first met Chad. You know how there are just people who come into your life and you just don't know when it happened? You just know they've been there for a while? But he prayed for Emily and it was a prayer like I wanted prayed over my daughter. It was a prayer of healing. It was a prayer that declared over her what would be, not what was currently in her body. And I saw in this prayer ministry something I was hungry for. And I thought, I have lived my whole life up until now waiting for a visitation of Holy Spirit. I had stories. I had words of knowledge. I had testimonies of healing. But I waited for Him to appear. What I didn't know was that those flames of fire that Moses said, I won't go without the flame in that upper room as... Adam shared, and so did Lindsay when she was reading the word. Those flames dispersed, and now that flame is you. But how do you get there? You have to be able to receive Holy Spirit. And one of the greatest tragedies of our generation, and I apologize on behalf of my generation, We made Holy Spirit weird. We made people afraid of the most tender, kind person. And he's a person. We took what you were entitled to, what was written in the Word of God, and we just kind of skipped over that chunk of Scripture because we didn't know how to explain it. We didn't know how to teach it. We hadn't experienced it. Remember the passage? I don't get to have spiritual insight until I open my own heart up to receive it. I learned 
in those days of building friendship with God. I learned in those days of the pruning, the two years of pruning. I was on a plane going to Azusa now, celebrating the fact that it had been 110 years. And I sat there on the plane and I said to the Lord, here's what I offer you. I'm empty. I'm weary. I don't have answers. I'm giving you an empty plate. If you're telling us we have to move from Bridgeway, I go where the cloud goes. If you're telling me that I have to shut up and not complain for another year, then I shut up and I will not grumble or complain if this takes another year. Because here's what I do know. Your promises are true. You are not a man that you could lie. And you said Tim will be the CFO of Bridgeway. And you said we are going to partner in seeing this next great awakening. And you said, and I reminded him of all the prophetic words that had been said over our lives. And I went, that's what I'm putting on my plate. Because when I bring my own story into the picture, it's like showing up with your own lunch bag. I think we should write our story this way. You can write your own story. You're permitted to do that. You have freedom. But when you start to write your own story, you miss one of the greatest adventures you will ever have the opportunity to experience. I read the book, I mean, I didn't read the book, I watched the movie Up this weekend, and in it, I, saw, I heard a line that I had never heard before. It's one of my favorite movies, yay, Up. The line was, I miss the boring I think when we are going through our challenges in life, when we're going through those, we just want boring to come back, don't we? I wish I could be bored. Please let me be bored. I'm so weary of this adventure. I'd like to be able to just sit and wait and tell stories in a room. But this great adventure, this opportunity that we have been given, It's so much more fun when we say, I'm not a child anymore. I don't bring my own food to the table. I'm an adult, and if you want to prune me, prune me. You know, when we say that prayer, search my heart, O Lord, when he searches our heart, he doesn't see all the bad stuff. His eyes see good and evil. He knows the plans that he has for you. He knows your story that he wrote before the day you were ever conceived. He knows your story. Sometimes I feel like we're just a cog in the wheel. And if we would just accept our position as a cog, how much better it is for all of us. If we trust his timing, if we choose in our hearts to not complain and not to grumble, then we have something to actually give to the rest of the world because we have love, 
We have hope and we have faith. And faith comes with tension. You don't, just like friends, you don't know you have friends until you walk through tension. You don't know you have faith until you make a decision. What do you actually believe? And as for us, as for our house, we've chosen to believe what he says above anything that's circumstantial because that will pass. Now, we prayed earlier for the baptism with Holy Spirit. Now, what I would like for you to do is to open up your hands and let's just pray for that refreshing rain that we sang about. Father, I bless the children in this house. I bless all of us. We are your children. You don't give us a stone when we ask for bread. We know that you're giving us good, good, good things. We want to have your love in our hearts so that we have that spiritual insight to see what you're doing for such a time as this. We are so thankful that in Acts 2, when Peter's talking, he says, your old men will will have dreams and your young men will see visions and that you, Holy Spirit, are for all of us. So we raise our hands high and we say, take every part of us. Leave nothing covered. We hand you our empty plate and we say, come, Holy Spirit, come. We want to be more than a mouthpiece for Jesus. We don't want to just be the face. We want to be the hands and feet of God so that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you, Jesus, are Lord God Almighty. We offer you the only thing we have. We offer all of us. Amen. Amen.